Welcome back to Out of Our Heads, a comics and pop culture podcast from the minds of Joe Bortner and the trustworthy Nick Protopapis. Hey, everyone. It's been so long. So long. I'm like really different now. I'm really into like balls. Balls? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my new thing. I just, all, all, instead of movies, all I want to talk about is just like balls. That's like any kind of ball is my mm, new passion. Mm-hmm. I'm just you gave br- me like, you gave me a bouncy ball as a birthday present recently. I was part of my obsession. Yeah, I like classifying them. I like mm-hmm. observing them. I like um, making like pun jokes about them. Right. So, Joe, when is the last time you thought about balls? Be honest. Be honest. Balls is in the uh, any kind of ball. Of course. Okay, well, I was having dinner earlier, and I was I was bouncing the, the little bouncy ball you, you mm. gave me, uh, mm-hmm. which I've come to sort of view as like kind of a comfort object. <laughs> Joe, in moments like that, maybe you should think about the beauty of the natural world and how every action is in harmony with it, mm-hmm. and how everything is made up of these little, little particles of mass, spheres of mass, little balls, some may say, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and... You know, basically, those little balls make up bigger balls. And yeah, I mean, we're all balls. In the end, we all have to keep bouncing. I think that's a, that's a wonderful sentiment, Nick. I'm, I'm so glad. I bet our audience is so glad they waited three months for it. <laughs> I, I, I said that it would be different and that I've changed. And I think that this is maybe our most different introduction ever. It's is a little, it? <laughs> it's, I think it is. Yeah, it's a little off. Only in that we've been completely unfunny. <laughs> I don't know, Joe. I think it's maybe unfunny, but truly meaningful in this intro. It's sort of it's sort of anti-comedy. It's kind of uh, you know the opposite of of comedy, and that's what makes it funny. Yeah, yeah. So so our friend our friend Sam Newman obviously killed the podcast. We have resuscitated it. Uh, Nick, I just had a, a, a very good weekend at uh, the Massachusetts Independent Comics Expo. Do you want? Do you want? Do you want to restart? Do you want to restart? <laughs> no, I actually want to plow through this. Okay, okay. I think this has been beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I want to rob the world of this audio file. Nick, would you would you like to tell me about uh, your thing for me this week? It's been so long. Okay, so so my thing is I was on a plane and I had already watched like one or two movies that, you know, I had wanted to watch and I was scrolling through the A to Z list on, on the airline. And I said, wow, the notebook is here. I've never seen the notebook. Hmm. Um, and that's when my life changed because the notebook is the best romantic movie I've ever seen in my entire life. And it is so good. Um, you make so a lot of, a lot of hyperbolic, uh, claims about, about rom-coms on this uh podcast. i didn't say rom-com i did not say okay, rom-com there's this is just romantic which i don't think i've ever talked about a just romantic film joseph would you would you not count uh the the before trilogy okay you got me <laughs> those are those are the best okay actually those are better those are better but okay those are better but they're like a little more nuanced right mm-hmm, they're like mm-hmm. about life more than anything else and they work sort of as a as a unit and this is like very like cookie cutter like happy ending kind of thing right 
Okay, so it's about so we start with this old guy, and he's old, and he's in a he's in an old person center, and he's telling the story of this this romance between two young Southerners, a Southern belle and a Southern man, um, who at first hate each other, which is how the best romances start, of course, and then they slowly grow to love each other, but but they get separated at a young age because of I don't know stupid stuff you, you know how it is like there her mom doesn't want her because he's dirt he's not classy enough mm-hmm. and then he gets mad because he overhears and he thinks that she thinks he's dirt and that he's not good enough so then he goes off to war and then they just they lose track of each other i mean it was olden times you know how it is right his mail his mail gets intercepted it's it's tough so basically she is in this new relationship and she's having a great time and then he re-enters her life and has to win her back and uh you know true love prevails and this, you know, if you're wondering about who the old people are in this movie, mm-hmm. I won't tell you because that's a super secret and I don't think you can figure it out. Okay, interesting. So, Do you mean in the sense of say. actors or if they're historical people or? No, Joe. Oh. I mean the big twist of the movie. Oh, yeah. Which, I oh, won't oh, okay. which is okay. that the story okay. being told is the story of the of the people who are dumb. No, yeah. No, I, I, I think I got that immediately. <laughs> okay. Well... <laughs> It's all ruined now because you, you couldn't put that together. So now everyone knows. Anyways, yeah. So the quick pitch for this movie, I feel, is like, hey, what if The Great Gatsby was good? Because it's like very similar to The Great Gatsby in the way that like the romance plot plays out, but totally different in the way that it's like actually about that instead of this like other party narrator like slowly discovering about it in this like totally weird way. Like it's, you know, Great Gatsby. I think we've all read in school, but it's like it's totally weirdly. It's a weird. It's like a weird angle on this story, if that makes sense. Like, you don't really want Nick in this. Like, he's not really doing anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I I understand what you're getting at. I do personally enjoy the Disagree. book, The Great Gatsby. <laughs> I, actually, I, I actually enjoy it, too. I, I don't, I don't think true. it's a good romance, but I don't think it's supposed to be. No, you're right. Mm-hmm. But, like, what if it was? Right, what right. if it was a good romance? <laughs> that's, what this, that's what The Notebook is, basically. And it's got... Okay. <laughs> oh, I forgot to tell you who it's got. It's got Ryan Gosling. Gosling. And... It's also got Regina Jones from Mean Girls. Awesome. <laughs> you know, it's it's sweet. It's constantly engaging. It flashes between the the present day and the old day, which is always a good good thing to do. And it's got some genuine, you know, heart wrenching moments. I cried a few times. I cried maybe two and a half times. And I was on a plane with other people, so I like was trying to hold it in. Nice. I mean, I'm 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 sorry that you had to bear the brunt of being emotional on a plane, but uh I think it's always good when when movies can effectively manipulate you. <laughs> yeah, manipulate. That's what movies do. <laughs> okay, Joe. So what do you what do you have for me that's definitely not better than the Notebook this week? Uh, I I have not seen the Notebook, so I can't say whether or not it's better. Uh, this is something that I read way back at the beginning of July, but you know I've had the notes for it in my notes app for such a long time that I'm just gonna like use them anyway. Uh, so I read um, uh, True Believer, The Rise and Fall of Stan Lee by Abraham Reisman, which is an, a biography. Uh, now, up until this point, every biography you probably could read of Stan Lee has just been like, I think, totally uh, just like hero worship. Just like, oh, there was this great guy uh, and, and, and just kind of taking Stan at his word about like every detail in his life, um, which is ridiculous because Stan Lee was... A, a notable liar and uh, <laughs> changed his stories about his life constantly. And I, I, I think, I think this book 
is interesting because it's kind of as charitable to Stan uh, as possible while also like consistently telling the story of uh, this guy who's just like a self-aggrandizing, like pathological liar and, and uh, you know, a con man who, who eventually became like the most famous person in his field, uh, kind of by just failing upwards. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think it's really fascinating and, and like dramatically potent. Um, and it's, it, it's almost kind of like a thriller about his life. Early on, you can see like all these like hazardous pieces like falling into place. Um, it's like very good at turning his life into like this series of intriguing mysteries, um, which I found compelling, even though like I know the broad strokes of how Stanley's life kind of went. And I think I, I think the you know the core idea you come away with is that Stanley was this guy who lucked into or lied into a lot of the places he got to in life. And and one of the more like sad impressions I got. Um, is that this was a guy who like made his living as a creative, um, but didn't really have like a creative bone in his body. Um, every time the book mentions one of like his his rare pieces of original work, um, it, it's like one of the most uh, it's one of the hackiest thing you things you've ever heard of. He was really hung up on like this idea of like um, taking photographs and putting them into a book of captions and uh it was just very silly and not funny at all um anyway uh wait that was supposed to be a joke yeah (laughs) this was like something he tried multiple times in his life like a is it like a mad libs with like pictures from real life yeah it's like a lot of it would be like pictures of like parties that him and his wife had or like pictures of like historical events and it would just be like silly like mad magazine but worse than mad magazine like captions like (laughs) it'd be like i don't know man like a picture of george washington and he'd be saying like what are you doing here (laughs) just like no joke anyway um uh for some reason i find like the dichotomy between the guy he actually was and like this character he constructed for himself to just be very compelling um and the book kind of makes the argument that which i i don't think it's like the first book to make this argument or the first person to make this argument. Uh, but like, you know, the, the greatest character that Stanley ever invented was, was Stanley, like the image he projected to the public. Um, and I think after reading it, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with that. And on the other hand, there's like later in his life, you kind of get into some, some very sad stuff where he's, uh, you know, been an older guy and he's being exploited by the people around him because he's, he's famous, but he's also kind of like losing his grip a little. And that's that's really uh, that's really tough. Um, anyway, I, I I'd love to see like I don't know a TV show or a movie based on this book. I think it would be really fascinating. Yeah, that's interesting. He I mean he's really popular even probably maybe more so than I don't know how much, but like you know just because of the movies, everyone knows him as this like cameo bit character. Exactly. Yeah. But probably probably know very little about what was actually going on. So I think that's relevant, and I think a show would probably be popular to be honest. Yeah, I think I guess the concern is I don't know I don't know who owns the 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 rights to Stan Lee. Like I, I know he's a public figure but he had like an entertainment company that I think technically owned his name in some way and I'm sure like Disney and Marvel would not be happy about uh <laughs> his actual story getting told because like he is valuable to them as he was remembered. I don't know. So is he, is he really not a nice guy or, or what? How bad is he, Joe? Um, I think he was bad to many of his coworkers. 
That sounds interesting, actually, because I, I really don't know much about him. At yeah, all. it's it's a really good book. It's one of the the better books I've read this year. Nice. All right. So speaking of comics, do you want to move on to our main subject? I would love to. Nick, today we are talking about uh, ElfQuest, number one through five, uh, by Wendy and Richard Peeney. So ElfQuest is probably the most notable indie fantasy comic of its time. Um, it, it started in 1978, I think, and um, ran off and on until 2018. Uh, it's it's a big cult favorite. I, I have to admit my main familiarity with it is that a, a guy I know who works at the, the local comic book store in Somerville uh, really loves it. Um, and I, I, I kind of didn't know anything about it uh, before reading it other than that. Yeah, nice. I mean, I, I was always looking at it because they have the big uh, companion books or whatever mm-hmm. that are like, I don't know how many pages, 300 pages, maybe more, probably more. Um, and the pretty good price I found out when I actually bought the copy for this. But for me, it was always a big mystery. Like, what's this huge fantasy comic that's like in every store taking up so much shelf space? Like, what is it? Is it good? And I knew very few people who'd actually read it um, or had opinions about it. So it was very intriguing. Right, yeah. So as it turns out, ElfQuest uh, follows an elf named Cutter uh, as he leads his tribe of elves called the, the Wolf Riders uh, on a, mm-hmm. a great big journey through many lands after their, their home in the forest has been destroyed. Um, these first five issues uh, largely focus on them traveling through the desert and coming across a village where uh, the people worship the sun and there's a bit of culture conflict going on there. Right. So I guess the context that we get sort of of this world is like, okay, so it's like, like ancient humans and then like elves come in as like aliens from like a spaceship and they used to have more magic, but their magic is sort of tapped out on earth or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see that the woodland elves, the the wolf riders are sort of constantly in conflict with, with humans Um and they're, they're living a little more ruggedly. Um, yeah, and then sort of plot gets sent, set into motion when they are forced to leave their woodly home. And like you said, they cross this desert and they find another tribe of elves that's sort of a little different from them and sort of their interactions and their differences in culture is what sparks the, the, the conflict and the plot for most of these five issues. Right. So I th- we were both talking before we started the show, and I think we both firmly did not like the first issue <laughs> yeah i think that's true and like that seems kind of harsh because i remember i was texting you about like mm-hmm. oh should we do this should we not like uh, about like just the first issue but like these issues i think are a little longer than normal comic book issues i guess because it's an indie thing so they're pretty they're pretty dense and they have a lot of content so for me at first it wasn't going that well i wasn't that into it i was like this is a little weird um but slowly slowly as we decided to keep reading it I think by the time they got to the second village, I was like getting a little more into it. And by the time we finished, I was definitely interested in some of the conflicts that had taken place. Like the trials that Cutter had to go through were cool. Uh, I like the romance they set up. And I like some of the the lore stuff even is interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Like this sort of, you know, they tell you about, okay, the elves showed up on Earth or not. I don't know if it's Earth actually, but. I think, I think it's, at least to me, it seems like it's implied to be like Paleolithic Earth. Some sort of, yeah, some sort of Earth. Um and like it's interesting because they sort of go forward in time a bunch. So there's like a mystery about like how did these elves like you know come to be in different tribes and like what's sort of the history. Um, so that that stuff is a little interesting to me. And uh, you know, 
I think the big thing about this book is like whoever wrote this clearly cares a lot. And I think that comes across in the world building and just like the detail. And that's something you can appreciate early on, even if you're not fully enjoying it. Absolutely. It's like, it's like clearly a labor of love. I, th- I think one of the, the, the interesting things that like first stood out to me um, and initially I thought it wasn't being followed up on, but I, I think it actually is at least in a, a thematic sense um, which is that the, basically the very first thing we learn uh, is that the, the world in ElfQuest um, is essentially built on a, a pointless conflict. Uh, the cavemen attacked the elves out of uh, surprise in a, a fear of difference, and that sent into motion the whole story uh, years later. Um, and and the, the ripple effects from that are still cascading uh, generations down the line. And I, I, I think that initially like, just presents a, a sort of thin idea um, which is that the the humans are kind of uh, uniformly irrational and, and, and violent, and they're just afraid of what they don't understand, um, which I think is, you know, it's it's a common concept, but it's kind of um, a bit too common, you know? Sure. So what, what are you saying? Are you saying that, that that hasn't been followed up on? First, I thought it wasn't being because um, they just sort of go off uh, and, and do a completely different thing, and the, the humans never quite come up again, at least in, in these issues. But I think that eventually you realize uh, that in their reaching the, the second village of elves um, and seeing how these people live totally different from them and, and perhaps more like the humans, it's kind of uh, deconstructing that, that nature of difference or, or just looking at it through a different right. lens. Yeah, that's what I was going to say because I was, like a lot of like how they interact with the darker-haired elves um, is exactly that, is like you know, people accepting differences and like learning to live together in spite of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I also, I, I do think like it actually is interesting because like the humans are positioned as the primitive people, which kind of obviously anyone who's reading this is a human. Um, <laughs> so it kind of, thanks, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It takes the, what, what in a, another fantasy story would be the position occupied by like the orcs and it gives it to humans. So it kind of distances us from the characters a little and forces us to to reorient if like very slightly yeah actually that's one of my favorite things about it is like the weird little cultural differences i mean a cultural i don't know there's like differences between elves and humans and like when you're reading it like the main characters are like sort of a little different from you like mm-hmm. um they have like this weird like sending magic which if i understand correctly is like they can like project their emotions in a like spiritual way like without physical is that right is that what sending is i I think that's part of it my understanding was more of it being kind of a a a replacement word for like telepathy but there is clearly like Mm, more to it um yeah that that's interesting because their powers are diminished and the elves have like different powers even from each other um but all the powers seem to be sort of something that's not just like an ability or an advance but like something kind of emotional that's different about them which is something i really enjoy like, okay, like, when he goes to the second village, he, like, has this, um, what's it called? A special connection. He has a, oh. a life bond? Is that what they call no, it? No, it's not. It's, um... Okay, it's something like that. <laughs> with this, like, with the with the lady of the other village, and mm. they have this, like, magic connection that's... They describe later as being different from being in love. But you become, like, life partners, like, in a magic bond sort of way. And it's sort of not something you can even decide on or change your mind on. It's just, like like a magic bond between people. And I thought that was a really cool dynamic. Right. And and one of the other things we learn later is that like initially you think 
oh, well, this is some sort of weird magical form of falling in love. But then you find out that there are character, um, side characters that we've already met that are in love and are not bonded in this way. So there's clearly mm-hmm. like layers to the cultural dynamic happening here, which is interesting. Yeah, it's it, lots of interesting setup like that. Like like when when they do bond, like the 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 lady, which I forget her name, uh, Lita. like can know, knows his like true spirit name, and I'm like, what the heck is that? Like that's not like a superpower, but it's like a super interesting like magic ability. Uh, I wonder what that's about. And then there's there's all these cool like setup things where it's like, okay, the dark haired elves like migrated away over the desert in the past. Um, or like some elves are like really tall, like the wise lady in the village of the dark elves. Like, why is she so tall? She's just like old. They get tall, like, um, interesting stuff like that. And then something I found interesting is when I think one of the elder elves in the, in the, in the, the desert village is mentioning that like some elves like have like polygamous relationships and there's Mm -hmm. like three elves who are all bonded. If that's what I understood, they're like all bonded together. Or like some of them are in love, some of them are bonded, like, I was like, that's so, like, tell me more about that. I'm constantly like, wow, this is, like, keeping me engaged with the world in a really cool way. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think also while you're talking about, like, world building, I I think one of the main things, and it is, like, small, but one of the things I really like about the series is that, you know, it has a pretty strong sense for for serialized storytelling, like, right out of the gate. Each issue kind of tells its its own, uh, like, chunk of story, like, its own distinct story that adds to larger narrative. Mm -hmm. And I, I never yeah. like came away feeling like an issue was pointless or like it didn't build upon what we already knew or like our, our understandings of the characters in some way. Like it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's episodic in a cool way. Yeah. I think, I think you're probably, I was thinking of the one where uh, Cutter is sort of, they're having this like festival, I don't know, some, some sort of tradition where they, they tell the stories of their fallen, you know, ancestors. Right. Yeah. And there's like a few short stories. Um, that one was a little like I liked it in the end, but at first I was like, "Is this just random?" But like, actually, what it does is like deepen the the history of that tribe of elves, and you kind of now you understand where Cutter came from and like the legacy he came from. And there's sort of there's more of a depth to that specific band of elves because I I think you know obviously I'm not sure because it's just five in, and I know at the end I don't know if you saw this it said the quest con- the quest begins mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, as sort of a tease for the next thing it's called elf elf quest so I feel like coming to this podcast we're a little ill-informed about like what is the quest but i'm assuming that it's like following this tribe and their sort of survival and like exploration of this world so like getting a history on that is really cool right yeah and uh, i think it always you're right it's always adding something and i think that's because of the thing we're talking about where whoever made this cares like a lot (laughs) their names are wendy and richard Uh (laughs) peeney all right what's what's their relation i think they're married that's i'm pretty sure that's pretty cool um, I think I think while you're talking about while you're mentioning um, the the issue where they talk about um, the history of the tribe uh, and Cutter's father, I thought one of the the interesting things that's kind of seeded here and not quite paid off is that like he's clearly got a lot of I think unresolved issues with his dad um, that are always like below the surface, uh, but other characters kind of allude to them and you can kind of tell from the way his dad died where like. Um, you know, Cutter fell asleep, and then his his dad went off to fight the beast. Um, you know, he he's probably got some sort of unresolved guilt about that. You know, yeah, I, I don't maybe guilt. I, I remember the way he introduced that story is that his dad didn't have to die, and that he he died bravely, but he he kind of chose that, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Okay, that's and fair. I thought that when I read that, I was I was like, oh, that's 
that's an interesting way to put that. So I, I think maybe like resentment more than, I don't know. That's, that's, you know, that's another thing that could be explored. Yeah. I, th- I think you're right. I don't think it has to be guilt because there's definitely, I think resentment might be even closer just because it's, you know, one of the things that is hit upon multiple times is that he, he does feel that he can't quite live up to his father and that he has this difficulty mm-hmm. with like taking the lives of other people. I don't know. I think my favorite parts of this whole like story thing is when we kind of got into this thing of uh, Cutter competing for the heart of the, the you know, the lady he's bonded to uh, with this other guy who's sort of in love with her. They're kind of in love, this other guy and her. Um, so they have to kind of like physically compete in these trials. And I, I always love trials and stories. I think it's <laughs> super fun. Um, so I, I think that was my favorite part. It was a good highlight. And I think showed me a lot of the potential that could happen, like where I'm really invested. Because for me, I think it's really easy to like be invested in like who's going to win the heart of the lady. Like that's kind of dumb, but like I just like it's kind of gossipy. Mm-hmm. So when I hear it, I'm like, ooh, like I'm interested. So that was kind of like a cheap way for me to get interested in this. Like before I'm super invested in all the characters. So I like, kind of glimpsed it and I thought that's pretty cool. Because I think they set up really good sort of like plot elements and like plot um, like elemental i guess uh difficulties if that makes sense mm-hmm. like for example at one point there's like a stampede that's not the trials but there's like a stampede of like raging animals and you're like oh whoa like that's that seems dangerous or like in the trials they have to like cross a really tall bridge and it, you kind of like feel the height and you're like yeah like so I, th- I think there's a lot of cool like set pieces and like um you know plot i don't know like creatures you know what i'm saying like, yeah, yeah. like story elements that are like good at having tension and fitting in the world Uh, i'm just kind of like a little bit missing the involvement with the characters but i think that's already growing Mm -hmm. and so you know that's where i'm at i'm like i'm like i've glimpsed what i really like about this there's lots of cool elements and i'm just waiting to like get really invested in the characters yeah i i think i i pretty much completely agree with you um i was at at first initially a bit cold on the the romance subplot not even subplot it is the plot for like the last three or so issues um yeah uh but uh you know i i, I guess I, I i was like well uh you know she's obviously not interested in him at all because their first interaction is is him kidnapping her to use his leverage yeah, that was weird um <laughs> yeah. because they think that the village is going to be hostile to them um but you know wh- where it kind of gets interesting is a bit in and you realize that like I don't know. You say that 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 her and and Ryuk, the other guy from the village, are like in love, and I kind of got the sense that they were close friends, and he wants to be in love with her, um, but she isn't. Um, and and I was sort of fascinated by that by the sort of dynamic of like, um, you know, when when Cutter wins the trials, um, and he's like, okay, so I, I I win you now, and she's like, no, I I I, I said you 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 won the right to uh be in Ooh. love with to to woo me to woo, to woo me, me. Is what she said. Yeah. <laughs> uh if i want you to um yeah yeah which i i, I think is nice because it's always like a bit weird when it's like you know fight for the woman <laughs> um yeah, yeah you know but i, I mean she's she's a little like that yeah. but she's not a hundred percent like that so it's okay yeah there are there are like places where it diverges I... um yeah, it, it's sort of like that, but I guess where it comes different for me is that like there is this magic thing between them that she kind of can't deny. I don't know if that makes sense. Like <laughs> that's kind of how other dumb stories go. Yeah. But, like in this one, it's literal. Like it's like literally a thing, and she's like, "I tried to deny it, but I can't." <laughs> Which like if it was like a 
I, I don't know, like if it was like a regular romance in the human world with no magic, like I'd be like, wow, dumb. This is dumb. But like because they laid out an element of magic for it, I was like, okay, I guess I can buy this. Yeah, see, I, I guess I, I completely just like don't care for the magic thing, um, except for as much as it like sets up this situation where these two characters who like, you know, the scene I really like um, is at the end of issue five, um, where they're kind of where they they finally have like a, a more genuine conversation um, where they're like, oh, we're so different and we'll never get along. Uh, how can we ever fall in love? Um, you know, with the subtext that they are immediately about to fall in love, um, which is the the, mm-hmm. the the scene with them that that kind of made me realize, oh, there there's like sort of something going on here. Um, you know, up to then I was going back and forth with it, um, but I, I I found that sort of charming enough to kind of get through it and i was like okay i could i could be invested in this and obviously they're going to continue getting to know each other and and continue falling in love or falling out of love or whatever happens to them yeah that makes sense i I guess i don't know those two characters are honestly they're kind of the focus but they're probably the most boring to me cutter's just like (laughs) the leader he's like i'm the leader and i i stick my neck out for everyone and i win all the trials and like you know, she's kind of like, I'm the lady, like, I can't resist him because of, we have this connection, you know, and like, that's pretty boring to me. Actually, I think coming out of these five, my favorite is, what's his name, Rayak? Rayak? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rayak? He's actually my favorite, who because he loses the heart of this lady, he loses the trials, and he's so humiliated, and he ends up leaving the village to go on his own journey, and like, I was like, wow, this guy's actually like, I like this guy. Like I like he's got the most interesting stuff going on right now out of all the characters and he's starting a new journey. I was like I kind of want to see his elf quest. Right. He's like what if he was the elf quest? I think I think he'll probably come back, I assume. Given that it is like no, I think you know, so long-form yeah. storytelling for sure. Um my I have a I have a very silly favorite of these characters. Um Is it the old guy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's so boring, Joe. <laughs> no, I just think he's really funny. I think he's really he's funny. Like I think beard. he's really funny in in or a chin strap. Yeah, chin strap. Um, yeah. I think you know the. I, I guess because I found the first issue like pretty boring. There was like this one moment that stood out to me, um, where, <laughs> where there's this point in issue one where where Cutter yeah, is like telepathically summoning the elves. Um, in one of them, well, for, it's really just for the reader, like really introducing for the, reader. the gang, right? Yeah, and like the heads are all like floating around, smiling on the background, <laughs> and they're they're all labeled. And one of them, what's his name? Tree Tree, tree Stump. Um, and the funny tree the funny stump. thing about Tree Stump is you know he's important because he's the only one that says anything. <laughs> and it's this big Tree Stump is the worst. It's this big splash panel where he's like, "So it's come to this, has it?" And I was like, "Not sure how important Tree Stump is going to be." but I like him. Yeah, I couldn't even, yeah. I like, I, Tree Stump's all right. He's, he wins because I can't even describe to you a single other member of the tribe, <laughs> except for the one that I occasionally confuse for Cutter. Right. Um, well, so so there's, okay. I, I wrote down their names somewhere. Um, it's. Um, Don't read me their okay. names. <laughs> or do. <laughs> well, so there, there's Skywise, who's kind of the sidekick yeah. one. And then there's, there's mm. Red Lance, who's the one that, uh, gets injured at the beginning and they have to leave in the desert um oh right and that's about it he's he's in love he's in love but then he dies oh, he no die, he didn't actually. die you think yeah, he dies I but re- then he i really thought he was gonna die yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was interested when i thought he was going to die that was the the point where i was like oh they're making interesting decisions here yeah because they they don't really care i mean some elves do die it's like 
I, I assume that people are going to die later, honestly, because it's, it's an independent thing. And like, it's like a big fantasy world building thing. I assume that people are going to die and like, they don't need to like write this story for any audience. Like, people, yeah, I think they're going to, yeah, they're just going to die. And also we have, we deaths. have all these anonymous elves to be fleshed out later so that they can die <laughs> to be, to be fleshed out inside out because they're going to die. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If that's what you mean. Um, yeah. what do you think of the cartooning? Um, it's not really my aesthetic, I guess, but mm-hmm. I mean, the drawings, I mean, the cartooning was fine. Like it's clear. I think maybe the action could have been a little better, but the inking is pretty good and everything is very clean and accurate, like character model wise, stuff like that. Um, and they're really good at drawing elves. So that's good. Um, there's kind of this weird, like aesthetic which is i don't even know how to describe it i think you will Mm -hmm. which is kind of all over it not just the fantasy elf thing but also the like um i don't know let's say like older comic like the super liney details shadowing and like sometimes when you get close to a woman her eyes are like sparkly and huge stuff like that you know i don't know what to call that yeah i don't know what i'd call that either um (laughs) i guess like you mean like the, like the, the boobs are really defined yeah like, I, I mean so like uh, <laughs> one of the things is like you know <laughs> everyone's very like hot and sexualized in elf quest yeah, um, but they're elves also but they also so have weird massive, juxtaposition they, they also have massive oversized anime heads <laughs> so they look like yeah they look like like sexy like <laughs> like doll people like it's it's just not it's not where it's at yeah um i think it's really funny not my thing either i think so it's Wendy Peeney drawing it. Um, and I, I think that like initially... Wendy Peeney thinks everything she's drawing is hot, just to be clear. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. Um, anyway, uh, I, I think there are like some... I was initially kind of... I, w- I was with you, um, in especially like the first few issues where I was like, oh, well, this is fine. Um, and then it kind of grew on me. There's like uh, in issue two and onwards, we kind of get more focus on the environments in cool ways where we, we see things from different angles. Um, there's, there's a cool sequence, I think in issue five, where a character is like looking out at the desert, um, and suddenly we're like in his eyesight. Um, and we like zoom in across the desert to like see the stampede of animals, uh, that's like coming towards us. Oh, that was a, that was an artsy page. Yeah. yeah. I like that page. Um, there are like some, that was a, that was a good there's one. some like other good sequences. There's one where like one of the characters is like making a seedling kind of sprout out of the ground. Um, there's like some good controlled pacing there. there there's mm-hmm. like another similar sequence where like um, Lita is like turning away from the reader and like begins to cry. I like stuff like that. Um, yeah, I guess you're right. I don't know. Um, it's clear. It's clear. Number definitely. one is clarity and it's very clear all the time. And like even when I didn't like it as much, it was very clear. It's just it's kind of like the drawing aesthetic. That's not my favorite. Mm-hmm. And I there's nothing about the layouts that's like so super great um that makes me like want to ignore that i guess if that makes yeah sense. i think that's fair i thought like if the if the drawings were like more bubbly i don't know not bubbly but like more my thing mm-hmm. i'd be super down i'd be like this is clear and looks great but instead it's just like clear and like not my thing yeah it's definitely i don't i don't think it's either of our aesthetics really um i don't know i i don't have any major complaints i, I respect the inking yeah. the inking is good it's you know like gotta respect it um yeah. And you're, you know, you're right. To like have clarity, you have to have control. So mm-hmm. there's a few artsy pages that are like pretty good. Yeah. So 
I think it's just gonna get better. I mean, if you make as much comic as ElfQuest, like it, you will have control by the end. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you just gotta gotta get down with the ElfQuest aesthetic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's all. Yeah, I think you know it'll probably grow on us at least to some extent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, I like the use of. I think that when words are sort of describing what's going on, sometimes it's pretty dumb because it's like, yeah, I know, I'm looking at the pictures. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need you to tell me. But like other times, it's like placed well and like actually adds something. So I think that's kind of an interesting thing. It's doing. Yeah, I mean that that's another thing where it's just like this comic came out in 1978. That was the style at the yeah. time. Um, oh yeah, keep telling me, keep telling me what these pictures about. <laughs> Stanley's Stanley's idea of a comic picture book. <laughs> Well, so Stanley also just actually did that. Um, but <laughs> no, I know. No, I know. Um, anyway, so there's one very important issue, which we talked about before we started recording, um, which is that I don't understand the presence of trolls in this universe. They only appear in right. issue one. Um, so the elves are aliens. Right. And otherwise... But why is there trolls? So otherwise, we're given to believe that this world is basically prehistoric Earth. Um with the existence of elves um, in addition. Uh, there are these creatures called Zwoots, um, but they're basically horses. Um, and they're, they might not even be a different thing from horses. They might just be, they might just have a different name. Um, <laughs> whereas these trolls appear in issue one um, with no origin. And I'm, I'm fascinated by them. I think otherwise- They're also not to be, not to be trusted. They're not to be learned. trusted. Um, and they're ugly. I think otherwise, like the world building is like pretty clear. Like I got what was going on all the time. Um, but then there's just like this big, huh? <laughs> yeah. I also had that moment. I was, I thought that it was just going to be me. I'm sure you did too. Like, it seems like a nitpick, but it is a little strange. Yeah. I mean, I mean it, it, it is a nitpick, I think, because it doesn't actually matter. But <laughs> yeah. But like they went to their trouble of like having like elves explained to me, they explained everything so well, mm-hmm. like succinctly, like, they seem to have it all figured out from the beginning. And like, why is there trolls though? Yeah. No, I mean, you're right. Cause, like, they... cause otherwise it's uh, like the world building stuff is, I think communicated like very adeptly to the reader. Um, yeah. Like if we're, if we're in this setting where we know, and it's important to know that the elves are aliens and the humans are native, then why isn't it important to know that where the trolls are from? I feel like mm-hmm. that's, that is important. Yeah. I agree. So like, I don't know. It is kind of a nitpick, but like, I don't know. We both thought of it. So might as well mention it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I'd I'd like to continue reading. Yeah, I think I will since I bought the entire <laughs> the big fat book. <laughs> it it also works so well. Like I put my like mini targets uh, fan on mm-hmm. it, and it like cools my head at night. So it's like it's actually a great thing to have. Right. <laughs> I don't think you can get a book that big for twenty four dollars or twenty five or whatever anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nick, would you would you like to move on? Sure thing. Nick, uh, we have a very special segment today, which is that you uh, watched the movie Twilight last night, and you are going to tell me about it. Oh yeah, so Twilight is actually really similar to ElfQuest, and like I got them mixed <laughs> up a little, so I had to like undo that a little. But like the world is there's something I like about both worlds that's kind of similar, which is a the the people in the world, the vampires, feel different from humans, mm-hmm. and I actually. That's I really, 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 really like that. Like as much as like Twilight's kind of a dumb movie that I just enjoyed. Like I think that the the, the placement of vampires and the sort of explanation of vampires' motivations as like different from a human motivation is like super sick and like 
hands down the, the best part of the movie because edward if you don't know edward the vampire who's the main love interest falls in love with this i don't know if he falls in love with her but they fall in love with each other who's and she's a human and she's just like oh, i'm just a human but like we love each other and like he also has this other the whole the conflict of this franchise i think is that he has this entire <laughs> other motivation that a human person wouldn't which is that he wants to eat her which is just brilliant like it's so like it's it just it adds tension to every romance scene in this weird like way that's not like you know it's not uncomfortable really it's just kind of like a little tense i guess because mm-hmm. you know there could be things like that where it's uncomfortable but i feel like in this it just adds adds a great tension and conflict um in addition to making vampires feel very different from humans which is a really cool idea which is like how the elves sort of are in elf quest right um so that's cool have they Anyways, so <laughs> so here's my understanding of twilight there's also a okay, werewolf named Jacob. Is he in this okay, movie? So I've only seen the first movie, and mm. Jacob so far is just like a nerd. Like he's interesting. He's not that not as attractive as the other guy. Like he's clearly into her, but like so are like th- like five other guys in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like everywhere she goes, Bella, I think her name is. Yeah. But everywhere Bella goes in this movie, boys are in love with her. Mm-hmm. Like there's no male character that's not in love with her. Right. Like it's very it's very sexual in the way that like like if you take like fighting her blood to be like sex then like it's like extremely like it's extremely te- sexually tense mm-hmm. the whole time <laughs> which is cool i get why people like it i why people like it so much it works really really well as sort of a allegory mm-hmm. kind of i'm not sure if that's what it's going for I'm, I'm not really sure if that's what it's going for but that's where the tension is for sure um <laughs> jacob not a big factor at this moment um, and then besides that, the plot just kind of goes and it's like pretty boring. Mm-hmm, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, there's bad vampires, there's good vampires, right. the good vampires control themselves. They live in secret. Bella knows their secret now. She's dating, what's his name? And the bad vampires want to get her. They want to get her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like, um, you know, they win the fight. They fight and they win. And like, okay, that's kind of it besides that. But those are the good parts. The acting's kind of bad, but there's good parts. I don't like... I don't like the blue like tint on the movie. It makes everyone everyone look super white and like everything looks blue. It's I don't like it at all. Mm-hmm. But it's not not the worst filming. Like it's good. It's it's a pretty well made movie, high budget obviously. Um, and I really I really do get why people like it. And I'm interested in more and just like more of this like fantasy world. Like I feel like the history or like things besides vampires weren't really explored. So I'm kind of interested in that because I feel like vampires were done really really well. And then the other thing about Bella is that by the end of the movie, she like wants to be a vampire. She's like, bite me so we can be together forever. Um, and Edward's not into that because I guess he doesn't want to make decisions like that for her, which I think is an interesting dynamic. So I guess Jacob gets like hotter later. I'm kind of waiting for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, there's the only like negative about Edward so far that I see is that he's kind of like creepy. I mean, he's not creepy. He's like, I want to eat you all the time. I don't feel safe around you because I really just, I hung. Oh, also this is a funny thing. Oh, Joe, this is so funny. Okay. It's so when she walks into class and she's like lab partners with Edward or whatever, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he like holds his nose and he's like, it looks like he, he thinks she smells really bad <laughs> because he's smelling her blood and really, and like he asked like change seats. It's like really, really funny and like really, really clever. And like, I enjoyed it heavily. That's funny. Um, And then wait, let me think. Oh, and then the only bad thing about Edward is that he's like a little creepy. He's like, I want to eat you. 
but like he's very communicative he like he reveals himself he doesn't keep secrets from bella like at all and for that reason like he he says i'm a vampire like i can't be with you because i like want to eat you and she's like i'm not afraid i'm not afraid she says that about like a billion times and i'm like why are you not afraid this is terrifying <laughs> um so like i can't really get any negatives from edward like he has this creepy vibe but like that's because he's a vampire and like he's been open about it and she knows the risks so like mm -hmm. What a, he seems very mature besides that. Jacob, on the other hand, kind of a twerp. Like, I don't get it. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. maybe he'll get hot later. And I don't know if he's a, he's a werewolf because they didn't really explore that. But, like, maybe he's a werewolf. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'll probably be watching the next one soon. But I'm definitely Team Edward. I feel like that's what this section was about. Mm -hmm. And I am definitely Team Edward. So Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to your, to your future updates. Oh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> <laughs> there's a line in the movie where she's on his back on edward's back and he like has super speed or something so he like climbs <laughs> up these trees they all the super speed looks so funny you should look it up mm -hmm. but like mm -hmm. so they're climbing around on the trees um and she's like whoa fun and he's like hang on tight spider monkey and that's the line <laughs> that's that's funny <laughs> is there a spider monkey superhero uh there's there's in ben 10 he's got he's got a a I think of, not Ben 10 yeah, in I, Marvel comics I, is what I want. I want, oh, I want monkey like a, like a monkey Spider-Man. I'm sure that's what I'm definitely, asking. definitely. There's no, isn't there like a, you say definitely. And yet there's okay. Wait, there is spider monkey. The one with like extra arms, right? That's spider monkey. Is that, but no, like, that's he, just, that's just Peter with extra arms. That was his name. It's just the time Peter had extra arms. <laughs> no, he has a name. I don't know, man. There's definitely like there's like a alternate universe like Marvel apes, and there's definitely like a spider monkey there. <laughs> Is that what you want no, from you're me? You're right. <laughs> Six arm Spider Man. Oh, he's just called that. <laughs> I thought he was Spider Monkey. Why did I think that? Spider Man Monkey. Spider Man Monkey was a spider monkey. Yeah, this is the thing. Okay, we're good. We're cool. Cool, cool, We're, cool. Everything, cool. it's all, it's all good. Awesome, it's awesome, all good, folks. Nick, do you, do you have a, do you have a wise quote for us to close out the show? Um, hang on tight, Spider Monkey. It's, it's got to be my quote. Okay, I'll take it. I will take anything at this point. <laughs> all right, you know what? Well, let's, well, let's do a wise quote. Mm -hmm. You want to, you want to get smart with me? You want to do get a smart wise quote? You. I'll get smart with you. Thirty spokes share the wheels hub. It is the central center hole that makes it useful shape clay into a vessel it is the space within that makes it useful cut doors and windows for a room it is the holes which make it useful therefore profit comes from what is there usefulness from what is not there that was lautsa that was some that was some that was some thick wisdom i hope you're still thinking about it. i hope you I'm think thinking about that about tonight it. i'm thinking about when it. you sleep i'll think about it when okay. i edit the show i was all that was the thickest wisdom i've ever laid out on this show <laughs> thickest most controversial most like thought-provoking wisdom i have ever mm -hmm. laid out uh thank you for listening to out of our heads a comics and pop culture podcast from the minds of joe bortner and nick protopapis you can contact us at outofourheadspod at gmail.com where you can send us letters or tell us about books you want covered on the show. Uh, my social media is at Joby underscore draws. Uh, we'll be back next week. In the meantime, uh, stay safe and we will see you next time. Yeah.